Welcome to another edition of Unplugged. We join you after four wins in a row, something we achieved back in 2020, but you've got to go back to 2010 uh, since we last won five in a row. So that's the next box to tick and a, a significant opportunity presents for that this week. A good, solid, professional win over the Gold Coast Suns. Wins that good sides produce without being outstanding. We, we seem to have their measure from midway through the second quarter and look the likely victor, even though there were some nervous moments in it. But a good, solid display of football against a team that has improved. And obviously, we know full well how dangerous the Suns can be. We, we generally beat them by a kick. Um, that They've proven that they're probably a side that's going to win nine or ten games and you know be competitive most of the time they play. So it was a good box to tick. Uh, obviously, we've got some big challenges to come. We play a, a Giants team with with Toby Green back in the fold this week. They're playing for their season with, without a shadow of a doubt. They've, they've got everything on the line. If they lose the game, you can probably put a line through them. So that's what we'll look forward to this weekend. And obviously, we build into the, the middle stages of the season. But 13-9-87 to 9-7-61, Jack Higgins back into the side, kicks five goals. Max King, another positive display up forward. And our solid core midfield, which has been in really good form, all produced the, the type of football that they have over the last three to four weeks. Steele, Crouch, Ross, Gresham, Hill, etc., all doing a very nice job. So uh, it was a satisfying victory, I thought, H, um, coming off um, obviously how dominant we'd been the week before. It's not always going to look like that. But, um, yeah, I was um, I was pretty pleased with, with how it all went. It's nice to have a win against them that doesn't come down to the last kick of the yeah. game. Um, that's <laughs> a, a little bit more comfortable. I mean, it's only four goals, but it was a lot more comfortable than what, we, what we've been used to with yeah. late against them. So, um and, and they're not an easy beat team either. Uh, they're far from an easy beat. Uh, I mean, they've only just come off beating Carlton, who Belted that's them, their own, yeah. that's their only loss. Yeah. So, um, it, they've had they've got the wins on the board already. I mean, they go. I, I think would they have gone three two if they beat us? I think yeah, that, they would I mean, have been they, three two if they and beat they lost us. To so Melbourne but, by what ten points yeah, or something? Yeah. yeah. So they've they've got the. I guess the results on the board already. They've they they could be right up there amongst the top teams at the moment if a couple of things have gone their way. But um, it, it's it seems to be every win that we've had, we look back a week or two weeks or three weeks and go, "Hey, that win is so much better than what it was." Mm. I mean, I'm not hundred percent sure who Gold Coast have this week. I think it's it's a, uh, Brisbane. So they go and knock off Brisbane now, and we go, "Hang on." how good was that win last week it, it just seems to be rolling week by week going how good was the Freo win now how good was the Hawthorne win how good it, so yeah they, they, these wins that we're building up at the moment you sort of think yeah these are better than what they are than what they feel on the day itself so yeah we just roll into GWS this week um, as we say Toby Green back hopefully he's a little bit underdone and yeah rack up the fifth that as you say, hasn't been hasn't happened for a long time. Yeah, I mean the Collingwood loss looked ordinary at the time. It, it doesn't look quite as bad now. Um, still a poor loss, but not as. I mean, it looked horrific when it happens. Uh, whereas now it's probably not as as damning as that. But obviously, our form since does does you know make us feel a little bit better about it. But but Nick, as H was saying, it was pretty comfortable. It, it felt like. 
from probably 20 minutes into the second quarter, it felt like we'd get them at some points, but but obviously you're a bit nervous until it does happen. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, both of you have kind of alluded to it. It, it was a workmanlike win. It, it wasn't a fantastic game. It wasn't a brilliant performance. Um, but, yeah, it was kind of methodical. They did what they had to do to win. Um, and they kind of won all the, the major metrics, you know, the clearances, nearly double the clearances, um, double the center clearances, stoppages really dominated, you know, won the, the tackle count, one percenters, all that sort of stuff. And so you compare that to this time last year, you know, when we're coming off the, the back of consecutive thumpings um, and some you know, horrific performances, especially in that, that effort category. Um, you know, it's, it's a really important step for us to have taken. And then you add that to a really recognizable increase in, things like disposal, disposal efficiency and, and efficiency in front of goal. You know, we're kicking straight for the first time in years that, you know, we're kicking more goals and points every week. Um, and these sorts of things, you know, there might only be little steps up individually, but, but as a, as a whole, as a group, um, you know, it, it makes such a huge difference. And, and it makes you think that, you know, no matter who we're playing, no matter what day or night, no matter where we're playing, these things make us competitive at the very least every game if we turn up and, and do these things. And, and so far we've done them, you know, five weeks in a row. Um, and it, it is a shame that we don't have that, that kind of perfect record after round one that I think we, we all agree that that's a game that ultimately we should have won mm-hmm. uh, and let it slip. And, and that's disappointing, but you know, round one is a, an interesting beast as, as we all know, and strange things happen. Um, but, you know, everything is trending positively for us, despite the fact that, you know, we, we've won four in a row, but all those all those things that that we complained about and that we were concerned about last year in terms of, you know, how clean our disposal was, you know, in the, in the front half, our, all those effort metrics um, that, that we were really concerned about, especially in the first half of last year, um, th- all those things seem to have, have been cleaned up and it, it didn't matter that Rats was, was offline this week. Brendan Laid kept the interim coach win streak going for the season, um, which I know we were, we were a bit concerned about that that would have been so St Kilda for that streak to, to be gone this week. But yeah, you know, it, it almost doesn't matter who's out there. It doesn't matter who's coaching. Um, but all those things seem to be lined up week after week at the moment, which is great to see. Yeah. And it sounds harsh on individuals. It's not intended to be, but you look at areas where you feel more solid and where you feel a little bit better. So obviously Last year, if we lost one of our Ruckman, someone like Paul Hunter or Sean McKernan would play him, but with all due respect to them, now it's guys like Jack Hayes who look so comfortable at the level. Um, when, you know, we were a couple of midfielders short, with, with all due respect, and, and, you know, someone like Dean Kent would be playing in the side and higher up the ground. Now you've got the likes of uh, Wanganine Malera and Windhager and kids with a bit of spark and those sorts of things. That's not to say that... You know, Dean Kent can't come in and kick a few if the, the situation calls for it. But obviously, rather than having, you know, a veteran like James Frawley, who's injury prone, coming into play in defence, we've, we've shifted Josh Battle down there and that looks a little bit more solid and uh, th- those sorts of things. And then you obviously put in the obvious ones like Jay Gresham back in the midfield and Max King developing further as a forward. So they're all reasons why it's it's happening the way that it is. And, and then obviously guys like McKenzie and Mason Wood really finding their feet at the level. Um, so there, there's a lot of 
a lot of water under the bridge yet, but they're fundamental reasons why we we look better on on face value than we we did at the same time last year, and we've been able to cover losses a little bit better than that. Um, we'll talk about where we sit, sort of fitness wise very shortly but every now and then a random thought comes into my head for a segment uh, idea and one is sort of what got you off your seat and I only ask that question because um, there's been a few moments this year that, that have to me probably that the biggest moment for the year that had got me off my seat prior to this round was when Mason Wood kicked the goal against Richmond uh, in the third quarter because it felt like that was here we go for, mm-hmm. for whatever reason but that 90 second burst in the third quarter on Saturday was about as excited as I've got when when we broke off half back and went coast to coast and then straight after that kicked the goal to Max King off the ground. Um, as much as the game might not be one that we'd plug into the time capsule, Nick, forever, that that 90 seconds was a, about as pumped as I've been for a while. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I mean there was there was a couple of moments and and again they weren't the the breathtaking football type moments, but you know, looking at, at a kid like Wanganin Malier and, and what he does with the ball in hand kind of gets you really excited. And there were a couple of moments. Um, yeah, he, he, he spotted up Ben Patton in the middle of the ground off, off half back and, and hit him lace out. Um, and then there was the one to, to Mason Wood uh, in the third quarter, I think it was, where he kind of drilled it. And it, it just carried that extra two or three meters that, that most kicks, you know, they would kind of drop short and that kind of just, just carried those extra couple of meters to, to be a, a perfectly timed, perfectly weighted um, ball for, for Wood. And, and he was then able to do that kind of three step around um, defenders and, and pop it up to, to Gresham. I think it was in, in the pocket. Um, it's, it's moments like that. And, and you mentioned Wind, Windhager before and you know, Windhager hasn't, he hasn't set the world on fire, but he, has, he also hasn't done anything wrong. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple of moments where he kind of just walked through traffic that he kind of looked like, he was finding his feet and he was getting more comfortable at the level. Um, I think there was one moment just prior to uh, to that Wanganin Malera kick to Wood where Windhager won the ball off halfback and he just kind of slips through two or three defenders on the halfback flank and, and he just looked really comfortable, looked like a, a five or six year veteran, um, not, a, not a two or three gamer. And you know, it's things like that that you know, we've had so many years Outside of the obvious in Max King, we've had so many years of, of kind of mm-hmm. not draft busts, but you know, kind of less excitement coming out of the, out of youth, um, and your over reliance on guys like a Luke Dunstan or a Sebros or, or whatever in the middle of the ground to, to make things happen, and and to have guys like Wanganin Malera and and Windhager and um, Jack Hayes and and guys like that coming to the, the team as as rookies as first year guys and. And, and having such an impact is really exciting. And that's the type of stuff that, that got me off the seat on Saturday. Yeah, and it looks like we've got two to three guys that will play 150 games in the reserves that, that can't get a game that are looking good. And it's been a while since we've been able to say that um, with, with Owens and, and Max Heath probably as well. But H, it was, um, yeah, that, that, that was a, a really nice passage of play, that, that the speed of Brad Hill. And I like the comment from Lee Montagna in commentary where he said, because I think the Gold Coast copped a reasonably nasty bounce that jagged straight to Brad Hill, and Lee Montagna said Saints fans know what bad bounces are like, and he yeah, was he was yeah. correct. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that that moment, I at that stage, I actually was not watching the ball. Mm-hmm. I, I can say I was actually watching Brad Hill. I could see him coming from the side and looked across and going, "Okay, he's going to make contest." 
Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, number four. I'm forgetting his name for a second. Um, for Gold Coast. Um, yeah, Richmond. Richmond. Oh, Brandon yeah, Richmond. Alice. Alice. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Pretty much, he he was trying to keep Hill off the ball. He mm. he was stepping in front of him, making the shepherd. So Hill's not only had to get around him, he's also had to judge this terrible bounce, and he has done both. He's stepped around Ellis, trying to make the shepherd. He's picked off the ball and just just left them both in the dust. And you sort of look at that and go, oh, "Wow, that that's." That's what we've looked for for so long from him. Just, just this break of speed that we know he has, and he's just to hit the ball at full pace and delivered it out to memory. And it was, I think you're just sitting there going, "That is magnificent. That that is what we've. That's what we've been wanting to see so much of. It just, it just sort of feels like it's been held back. And now we're seeing this is what he's doing." Let's just hope that's the sort of path that we continue to see him take and the team use him playing that way. So it's it's a just it was just something you sort of yeah. It, if we can get, I guess that kind of service from him week in week out, that'll start getting rid of those naysayers who basically were just everywhere at one stage when I, I believe we weren't using him properly. So it'd be nice to nice to lose that. How have you guys seen that, that change either from a coaching perspective or, or a playing perspective for, for Brad Hill? Um, I mean, one of the things that I was concerned about, his, his two best games so far have been uh, at Optus Stadium in, in Perth and at the MCG and obviously bigger, wider grounds, a lot more space on the wings mm. uh, to, to have an impact and to work back, push forward, etc. cetera. Uh, all those things that we spoke two years ago about the importance of Brad Hill and what he could bring to, to our team. But he had a really good game again on Saturday at Marvel, where it's obviously a, a narrower ground. There's not as much space. Where do you see the, the difference in Bradley Hill's game now compared to this time last year? I think just putting him, I just spoke about positional, just putting him into an offensive position. So when he gets the ball, he can, he can hurt you. So obviously he's very creative off half back and he's got the, the, endurance to run down the wings all day but getting him in a position where his pace and ball use will will hurt sides if it's executed correctly um, as it has been done against particularly uh, Hawthorne and the Gold Coast and obviously that Freo game earlier in the year um, that's I think the, the missing ingredients they basically switched him from creative quarterback type player to an offensive weapon and and that's been a, a massive a massive tick I think I think he's been given a lot more freedom. That's one thing. Um, there hasn't been the. It almost felt like he had to play a, I'll get like an attacking defensive role mm-hmm. back in the but in the back line. He's which makes you loose a, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make you a like you've got that that attacking defender in the forward line, but he was playing the attacking defender in the back line. And it was, um, but it, it sort of it felt like he was worried about. I guess an opponent or that, and it didn't give him the freedom to run up the ground as much as he should be doing. And um, it almost feels like he's been told, make your player chase you. Don't worry about chasing your player. Be the player that yeah, the opposition are worried about more than you worrying about your opposition. So it's a, it's a, 
case of it feels like he's got that freedom to now mm. run the ground, use the space. He finds space. If there's no space there, he manages to find it. So it's a it's a it's a case of I think now that he's got that freedom, we, we hopefully are going to see the best of what he can actually bring to us. Freedom, freedom's a good word for it because I feel like last year, you're in in that kind of halfback type role. Yeah, he might get 25 touches, but they were under pressure touches. You know, where he was not able to utilize his speed or running power or, or whatever. Whereas now, you know, he might get 15 or 18, but they're really high impact, high value touches, and able to really impact, you know, either either the play or the scoreboard. Um, and it's something that we haven't really seen from him previously. Um, and you know, if if that drafting of Wanganin Malera has kind of provided the impetus because he's been playing more kind of halfback wing uh, type role and, and kind of allowing him some space and the ability to, to find the ball across halfback. But if that's kind of freed up um, Brad Hill to play that more offensive type half forward role, half forward wing type role, then yeah, the, the Wanganin Malera drafting looks even better than it, it already did. Yeah, I must admit with Wanganin Malera, when we first drafted him, I was a little bit worried thinking, oh, you know, outside player that's noted for good ball use, you know, maybe the pressure of the AFL might change that and they, they might be, you know, that might be a bit more speculative. But no, I'm, I'm satisfied already that that's, that's been a good, a good that, selection. Yeah. Yeah, there's that concern that you might mm. be a great ball user Correct. and that in your junior career, but then you don't get the ball. So yeah, exactly. That, that, that but, was the issue that he might have got 13 yeah. possessions a game or something. And look, he's getting 15 to 20 already and he's only played four games. Yeah, so. And he's finding, um, mm-hmm. just just watching him on the weekend, he, he finds he finds the ball. He, he gets to the position. He's, he's not only, yeah, as we say, finding targets, but he, he's, he's reading the play very well. Um, there's a couple of times where, You'd see him in one spot, and you'd look over, and he's he's got to the next spot as uh, in no time. So it's been a um, not only was his not only was his um, disposal touted, but now we're seeing that he reads the play very well and put those two together, and you've got yourself a very good player. Yeah, it's a good probably a good segue into votes where we have a lot of the apologies coming in. Um, Nick, you, if you wanted to sort of kick it off first, it, it, it feels like the last three to four weeks we've had maybe nine or ten options. Yeah, it's it's it feels like it's getting harder and harder each week. I mean, I think this this week probably fairly straightforward. A couple of apologies: uh, Brad Crouch, twenty-seven touches and ten clearances. Seb Ross was good again, twenty-seven touches, five clearances and a goal. Jack Sinclair not in the votes this week. Uh, might be the first time for me this year. Uh, twenty-seven touches. 524 metres gained and six score involvements and, and Nazai Wanganin Malera. Um, nearly 500 metres gained or 15 disposals. I mean, what he was able to do with ball in hand was very, very good. And and wanted to give a, a special mention to Rowan Marshall. I think we we're all a bit concerned around how he was mm-hmm. going to go, you know, if, if he's carrying a bit of a niggle, his form's been down, coming up against, you know, probably a top four, top five ruckman in, in the league in Jared Witts, um, but really kind of um, competed solidly and, and provided an outlet, 15 touches, 22 hitouts, uh, clearances, tackles, marks, did, just did everything kind of 
required of him. Um, but I gave one vote to the skipper, Jack Steele, 27 touches, six tackles, five clearances at 90% disposal efficiency. I thought he was very, very good again. And it looks like he's adding a bit more of an offensive um, string to, to his bow. We know that he can do that. Um, but outside of the the pure, the, you know, the tackles, the clearances and that kind of contested beast that, that we've become accustomed to, he's finding more outside ball this season um, and, and being able to kick, kick it long, being able to deliver it uh, into the forward line, um, which I think is, is really good to see. Um, I gave two votes to Jade Gresham, the 100 gamer, 25 touches, five clearances, four tackles, five inside 57 score involvements, two goals with 424 metres gained. It was almost the complete game from Jade Gresham. I thought he was very, very good and, and just you know, goes to, to, to show that X factor that we've been talking about for, for two years um, and how important he is across the board, whether he's in the middle, uh, in the clinches or, or up forward, up front, making an impact on the scoreboard. He's just super important to, to what we want to do and, and how um, Brett Ratton or, or Brendan Lade in, in this case wants to play the game. Um, just super important. And the obvious one, Jack Higgins, three votes, 16 touches, seven marks, five goals with three points as well. Um, I think he plays above his size. He kind of plays a bit like a, a medium tall, or if not a key tall with the way that he kind of leads to the ball. Um, he's got very strong hands as well. He marks the ball really nicely, really strongly. Um, and it feels like, I know he kicks the, the, the three points, but it feels like he's got his, his kicking boots back on and um, he's, he's playing really confident football at the moment. Yeah, 100%. And I was probably similar. I gave apologies to both Ruckman, Rowan Marshall, but also Jack Hayes. I thought he did his job very nicely uh, for the, the group around the ground and obviously went forward and kicked one as well. Uh, I actually gave an apology to Jack Steele. Uh, he was terrific. Seb Ross is in great form. He's played four or five good games in a row. Brad Crouch as well. Um, Josh Battle and Ben Long as well. I thought both of them were very good. Um, but I gave one vote to uh, Jay Gresham, 25 possessions and two goals, played a, a really important role. Both the goals he kicked through at key stages of the game. I gave two votes to Jack Sinclair, metres gained, ball use, uh, he's elite. Um, both of those guys have, have graduated into that category. And yeah, Jack Higgins was the, the most influential player on the ground. I think for a small forward to kick five in a relatively low scoring game probably has to be BOG. And um, yeah, he's in good touch. Obviously, he missed a game with concussion, but he was playing very well in that game where he got hurt and, and was obviously a star in the Frio game as well. But uh, they were mine. Uh, H, how did you see it? I'm actually going to stick up for Rowan Marshall here and mm -hmm. give him one vote. Um, I, I said that last week that I wanted him to lift with um, Paddy going out and he, he has probably more than delivered this week. Um, he, had, he had been down a little bit, um, but yeah, he's come up against, as I say, one of the best ruckmen in the league and he's well and truly held his own. He's given plenty of service out of the ruck. He's... Around the ground, uh, around the ground, he's actually beaten wits when you look at basically their their output for the day. Um, he's second ranked, second best, highest ranked player on the field. Um, so, I think when I what I said last week with the top five players being out of the St Kilda Gold Coast games in those last five games, so he was in the top five. Well, he's got himself into second this week, so it's a uh, he has really stepped up and hopefully. Yeah, he's got another week without Paddy, steps up again and yeah, continues on. So I'm giving him that one vote just, just for the 
basically filling that void that we that big void that we have with Paddy out because it's 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 it was a big loss and we yeah didn't didn't feel it as much as what we did last time um from there so uh given to the jack steel um it, it's i think it's weird to say it's almost like that's his best game this year it, it's um well, he's been serviceable every single game he's given us uh, he's given a jack steel game every week but th- this week just felt a little bit bigger than the other weeks we've seen so far and um as we've been saying as, as long as we're not giving him too many votes we know we're going okay um that's it's a good feeling um we continue on like that it, it, he it, that, that's our linchpin right there he, he does what he does and then everyone else around him lifts and then we build off that um but yeah that, I, I think that's his best game he's had this year so far and gave the three to jackings i mean yeah there's, there's nothing much else to say there i mean they've got the five i think it's it's our first five for the year we've got, had plenty of fours so far so mm. it was nice to get that that handful for the first time um he uh, it was switched on against richmond as i was saying he he looked so on that day got cut short obviously on the day and he, he's come back and started exactly from where he left off there the first yep. the first michelle for yeah. his career as well first fifer <laughs> yep his first five as well yep yep like it like it um we're going to do things a little bit differently and do that so St Kilda a bit earlier, and there is a reason for that, which we'll uh, we'll reveal in a minute because it, it stems from one of our very first that's so St Kilda. But there is an obvious one now. Which which of the three of us would like to take the obvious one? I'll just I'll just hang it out there, and one of you can grab it if you want. Am I going to say is that Toby Green coming back this uh, week? It, it would be the, the <laughs> Toby Green the. Mm. The AFL seemed to manage to suspend him just just for enough time for us to, for him to come back and play against us in in Canberra in yeah yeah it's with well, them fighting for survival yeah yep, <laughs> so everything just 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 lines up I mean, I'm sure we'll get I think what Frio got 42 free kicks the other weekend let's see how they go um, yeah it's hopefully we'll yeah keep him quiet that that that's the first thing you shut him down. You almost shut half their team down. It feels like sometimes when he plays. So, get him out of the game to start with, and that that you're halfway there to winning almost. Yeah, they're not beating us if he doesn't kick a few. I wouldn't have thought. Um, Nick, uh, where did you want to go? Well, I'll leave the uh, the segue to our next segment to <laughs> you, Parco. But the uh, the obvious one for me, obviously, is as we found out uh, late today, is is Zach Jones. <laughs> uh, obviously, kind of has worked his way back uh, from his his mental health and well-being absence um post uh pre-round one uh obviously played a, a very solid game in, in the twos for, for sandy on the weekend was one of the best on the field and and was primed for for selection and then we find out this afternoon that he's in uh, the health and safety protocols with uh big tom campbell as well so he's going to miss this week oh, come on! um not going to get that continuity in, in games as well it means he's going to miss for the, the twos as well. Uh, he's not going to play at all, which is a shame um, because mm. he, he probably just needs, you know, miles and in, in the legs and, and um, that that's a real shame. And, and that is just so St Kilda. Yeah. I called that Sandy game and he had 28, he had 18 in the first half. Um, 
Mitch Owens had 26. He was excellent. Bytel, 25 a goal and probably nine clearances. He was very good. Max Heath was the the standout, uh, 16 possessions, uh, seven marks, seven clearances, three goals, 28 hitouts, five inside 50s or something like that. He was outstanding um, and just keeps getting better. No rush to, to obviously pick him, but um, he'll, he'll just keep developing. He's only a teenager. Um, but, yeah, I wasn't on the back. Zach Jones played really well, but I was thinking in my head, would they give him two? Would they bring him straight back in. I wasn't convinced they'd immediately pick him against GWS, but it is a setback because, you know, you'd rather him play continuous football and be right to go either for Port Adelaide or the um, or the week after. Um, now we'll see what they do, whether, you know, another week of heavy training, even if he doesn't play, might be enough to get him in. But, yeah, there are a few. Obviously, we had the, the stat come through on Twitter the other day that in the last six years... 20 teams, I think it was from Brad, 20 teams have gone four and one and 19 of them have made the eight and we were the only ones that didn't in, in 2019. Actually ended up missing it by a mile. Um, but that, that's a very St Kilda stat. Uh, the stat that Swamp tweeted about Rising Star nominees, 59 against St Kilda in the last however many years, which is at least 10 more than any other side in the comp um, when those kids play breakout games. That's so St Kilda. But, of course, Jake Bowie, let yet to lose a game uh, in his AFL career. That includes a premiership. He is a star. It looks like he's going to be a star for a very, very long time. And his father played not 100 games, but 85 games for St Kilda. And that is so St Kilda. And our next guest is Brett Bowie. Vanderhaar does the ruck work with Kitschke. Kitschke takes it out of there and kicks a goal. No, I was going to say almost kicks a goal. Walsh has got a bow, he kicks the goal. And that's his fifth. They just keep coming back. 16-13 to 15-10. Well, the next guest on Unplugged, uh, it was an interesting segue from what we've been talking about with uh, with that's so St Kilda. But we've spoken to a lot of players from the era of the early 90s that were a part of that finals team under Ken Sheldon uh, that obviously got very close against Geelong in 91, beat the Pies in a, an elimination final in, in 92 uh, before bowing out of the hands of, of Footscray and what was a, a good era in, in the prime years of Tony Lockett and, and obviously with the likes of Winmar, Frawley, uh, Robert Harvey, obviously emerging Stuart Lowe in, in full flight as well. Brett Bowie is a part of a, a very good footballing family. Uh, a lot of people remember Brett for his 85 games to the Saints. Of course, his son is already a premiership player with the Melbourne Football Club. And of course, his sister played over 300 games of football at a high level as well as one of the pioneers of what we obviously now know to be the burgeoning AFLW competition. But uh, Brett, thank you very much for for joining us. No worries, gents. Thanks for inviting me and remembering me. Now, in terms of you at the moment, in terms of your football loves and, and football passions, you've obviously got a, a son who's a, an outstanding player in the best team in the competition and has experienced success already. Uh, what does that do for your heart, I guess? Is your heart still red, white and black or, or you can't help but at least dedicate half of it to the uh, the red and the blue? I think uh, definitely I've only been a Melbourne sort of half supporter for about 12 months since Jake Beck got drafted. Um, but you mentioned my sister and my daughter also plays with Collingwood in the VFL. So um, we've got Saints, Melbourne and Collingwood at the moment. So but, uh, definitely the Saints, but don't mind watching the young fella go around as well. Um, Brett, we'll take you back to the very beginning, but you uh, you end up at the footy club from St Kilda City. Is that right? How, how did that transition happen? How did you end up at, at Moorabbin? 
Yeah, Johnny Beveridge uh, recognised I had a bit of talent and invited me down to play the under-19s. Um, but I'd played a couple of games at St Kilda City in the seniors the year before. And I decided that instead of going to St Kilda under-19s, I'd play a year of seniors at, at St Kilda City. Um, so we played off in a grand final against Ashburton and then I went down the following year and played in the 19s then when I was 18. So, And then uh, played in the 19s, five games in the 19s in 80, 88 and 13 games in the seconds and the last four in the seniors. So it wasn't a bad start to the career. I was, I was about to go into the first season. Um, you joining the club after... I, I guess a successful season in the way of Lockett winning a Brownlow. So the club's got a bit of a, I guess, a, a looking forward getting getting up there into from the the depths that we had dropped into the mid ninety, uh, the mid eighties, and all that sort of thing. Did stepping into the club there, did you sort of feel, hey, okay, yep, we're we're going to get somewhere. We're moving places, and just, just how was that? stepping in there with Lockett, being someone who was delivering the ball to him quite often as that, that was your job and being under him in, as a forward little forward pocket or how, how was the um, basically slotting into the team there? Uh, it was pretty daunting to be, to be honest, to be from a suburban footy club and then turning up and there's Lockett and Trevor Barker and Danny Frawley and you know, the legends of the St Kilda footy club. And to be part of that was, um, unbelievable and yeah I just looked to try and get a game early on and get a kick in the 19s and fortunately played a couple in the seconds and then got my opportunity in the seniors because we weren't traveling that well so I think it was a bonus that we weren't that good that got a lot of younger players through to the seniors earlier than they probably should have. 1989 was a, a funny year obviously Plugger was on fire early and then got suspended and, and injured towards the back end of the year we were six and four uh, that year before only winning one game and, and on face value you kind of look at it and think Plugger goes out we, we fell in a heap but I think we lost five games by less than a kick in the back half of the year so was it a little bit overplayed that we had that you know that the particularly heavy reliance on on Plugger or was the proof ultimately in the pudding that, that when he was out of the side, we weren't quite mature enough to to get those results? Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I don't think we were mature enough to to go on without the big fella at full forward. I mean, I think he kicked I know, 30 or 40 goals in the first six rounds or something ridiculous like that. 71 I mean, in nine weeks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't quite up with the stats that well. But <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, I think we're just a little bit immature and no, we really did rely on the big fella at full forward, so... You know, I think that Carlton game when he kicked 10-7, you know, and we kicked 13 for the day, uh, we did rely on him a fair bit. And just to follow on from Parco with 1989, it's an interesting game where your first Brownlow votes. Basically, you've gone out there, you've had 10 possessions and a goal. It's it's not something you'd sort of think, oh, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to pick up three on Brownlow medal night, but. Plugger Definitely. kicked as many goals as you had touches. and So, so how, how did that happen? Uh, well, someone had to kick them to him. <laughs> no, uh, Danny Craven was had been recruited to the club from Wangaretta and similar size to me. I think he had a reasonable game. And I think if they, they combined the both of us, I had 10, he had 30. I kicked a goal. But it definitely, Tony Lockett was clearly BOG by a long way. I mean, he kicked 10-7 and kicked the winning goal as well. So, And then Steve Silvani had, you know, was playing on play and played well as well. So, you know, 
I think they got a little bit confused. But I'll take it. It comes up all the time now, so I don't mind it. It's just before, Nick, it actually reminds me, just as a complete segue, I um, made my – when I was played my first senior game in, in local football, there were uh, two of us that debuted on the same day and, and, the other, and the other guy that debuted had an older brother who was playing about his fifth game. And the commentator in that local footy called all three of us the same person. So um, it has happened before that uh, <laughs> they probably look at two people that are the same and go, oh, Did you yeah, get the Brownlow votes? Did you get uh, the I think be- votes? Between the three of us, we, we might have, we, we could have played a game that scraped one vote together, the other, the, the three of us. But um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they saw one with 10 and one with 30 and assumed the same guy had 40. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, now, Brett, as, a, as a, an, an apt um, little story, Parker, because Brett, your debut was also the debut of another bloke in red, white, and black. And between the two of you, you've got about 460 games for the club. The other, the other man, of course, is, is Robert Harvey, uh, two Brownlows and, and an all-time legend of, of the game. Um, early on, did you know that, that Haas was going to be special? Uh, well, definitely in the 90s, um, he was very good as well and really light-framed. And I remember the debut game, he started on the half-forward flank and I started in the pocket, I think. And the first touch went straight to halves and he got the first kick of the game from the half-forward flank. And I thought, well, that's not a bad start in your career. But, yeah, no, he definitely had some talent back then for sure. And then he just worked his butt off and became one of the greatest of all time, to be honest. So it was a very good day out at the Western Oval. I know we got beat, but it was good fun. Good day for the club. <laughs> and very similar to, uh, was it similar to you? Robert Harvey often tells a story that um, we were struggling. Daryl Bulldog went to him and said, it doesn't matter, you're playing the last month. Now, now your numbers were pretty good. Did he say the same thing to you and that it was a case of as young players, you're getting the opportunity now, you don't have to look over your shoulder. We're, we've got no intention of dropping you in this last month. Yeah, I don't I don't recall the exact words, but yeah, I was with us when he spoke to us. So yeah, he said, you know, you got four games, so do what you can, see how you go. Yeah, you know, there's no pressure on you. Just go out there and enjoy the game, and that's what we did. I think we nearly won the last game against the Bombers. I know actually Gordon Fogue played the last game as well, I think, or the last two. So, yeah, they were definitely blooding young blokes that had played well in the twos. So. What was what was that relationship like with with Doc Baldock in that that first year? And then, I guess, moving moving into the next year, uh, and the year after under Ken Sheldon, who was transitioning from a, a player to, to a coach. What was that What was that period like for, for a young bloke like yourself? I really I really looked uh, – well, Gary Colling was my coach for most of the year in the two, so he was sort of my standing block. And Doc was, you know, the senior coach who – I think he learnt my name late in the year, so <laughs> sort of like that. Um, but, yeah, and then Kenny Sheldon, who was a fantastic guy – great leader of men and was a super coach for me and, and the footy club, to be honest. So. And you put together two pretty consistent years at 89-90. Uh, uh, was it 19 games each season? Reasonable output possession-wise. Uh, so you're, you're really finding position in the team. Um, 91, sort of, I, I'm trying to get my memory of the old videos the club used to release back in the day about the season reviews and that. Um, no, 91 was an... wasn't one of my better years, that's for sure. Yeah, was, it an, was there an injury yeah, there a, or was that? Yeah, I had a slight groin maybe or had a couple of ankle injuries and held me back. 
Um, they recruited Rovers every year. They recruited some extra Rovers again. Um, and then I really worked my butt off in the end of 91, pre-season for 92, and I got myself really fit. And that's when I had probably my best year, 92. And I played 19 games again, I think. so. Similar question to when you arrived at the club, sort of 88, thinking that the club was moving closer. So 1990 was... Similar to 89, but probably a slightly advanced level in that we started well, lost a few close games, but were ultimately quite competitive. Could have conceivably won our first six or seven that year. Did you start to see in 1990 that that maturity was coming and that, that the side that would ultimately play finals in 1991, you could you could tell that was on the horizon? Yeah, I think I think most of the blokes that had played 30 or 40 games were, were getting up there, like the lows and... The, and um, I think Russell Morris was at the club in 90. So, yeah, some more senior players joined the club. A few blokes from Carlton as well, I think, was in that year or the year before. Mm. And really started to gel as a team. And, yeah, and then it sort of snowballed into 91. What was it like? I mean, you start in the middle and and the ball goes up and all of a sudden you win the ball and, and you look up and you've got Plugger Lock at the goal square. You've got Stewie Lowe at centre-half forward. What, what was it like? Kind of knowing that you had those two guys to to bail you out if you shank the if you shank the kick or whatever, but just knowing that those two blokes were there to to take a grab and and, and kick a goal. Yeah, I've got a really funny story. I remember shanking one as you just said, and I thought, oh, the plug is nowhere near that. And next thing you know, he marked, and everyone goes, oh, good kick, Bowser. And I went, oh, I wasn't just plug him made the effort and got there and made me look good. To be honest, um, that was, I mean, you just as soon as you looked up, you looked for plugger anyway. So I think that's why he kicked so many goals, but. He was such a huge target and you knew that you could rely on him to win nine out of 10 contests. And then Stewie just marked everything that came his way as well. So The 92 season, we obviously know how good we went that year. It was, it was a season we hadn't seen for quite some time. Uh, we know Lockett, Harvey, Winmar, Burke, et cetera, et cetera. Um, watching back as I said, the highlights of videos, that sort of thing from those years. And you were one who showed up a lot in those games, gave, gave a lot of um, a drive in, out of the centre into the forward line and just, just being there where the ball was. But is there anyone else you sort of look back and go, hey, that there is someone who really gave us a, a, a good bit of, um, I guess, really did their job well? And just just some of the lesser likes that weren't really given the credit they probably deserved. Yeah, Timmy Pekin comes to mind. He was a he was a ripper player and a ripper bloke. Um, Sean Ralph Smith had a good year that year as well. Um, Russell Morris, I know, played that half back role really well. Probably um, started that role for the rest of the other clubs. Now we used him a lot out of half back and he'd get loose and kick it long sort of thing. So. No, Timmy Beacon and Shawnee Ralph Smith, they were definitely under under the radar, if you like. 24 possessions and, and a goal a game was your average that season, nearly 500 touches. Obviously, you came in in, in round four and was a, a mainstay for the the season. For, for you personally, you obviously had a career-high 39 against Hawthorne. You, you had you know upwards of 30 possessions four times that, that season. What was it for you that, that, that did click? You mentioned that hard work at the end of 91, but uh, you were a, a genuine star. And I think Adrian Fletcher was probably another one, I think, yeah, who Fletch, only played, so, yeah, only played for us. I think he only played for us that year as well. But we had a lot of guys like you and, and Dale Kickett and these sorts of players that really shone through. 
Yeah, I, I just go back to that pre-season work rate where I just, yeah, worked hard all year, all pre-season. Got my opportunity round four, starting the twos in the start of the year and wasn't happy about that. So I just buckled down, got around with the footy was more, you know, as you fitter, you can get there more often. And just and we were winning as well, so it also makes it makes it easier to get a kick when you when you're going well as a team. So as a follow up from that, so a lot of people one one of my memories from the, the, the season of, of nineteen ninety two was after we won the elimination final against Collingwood, Ken Sheldon often told the story that everyone was coming up to him. Danny Frawley was injured, I think, saying is Spud gonna be right for the grand final? And a lot of people were thinking that far ahead. Did did that did, did you notice that at all from obviously we had a bad day in that in that semi-final, but was that just simply a case that Footscray had our measure that year beating us three times? Or did I maybe it, some of that first finals win in 20 years play a part? I don't think it had any part to do with it, to be honest. We were we were ready to go. We just had some like Spud was out. I don't know, did David Grant play that in in that one against the Bulldogs? I think we lost a couple against Collingwood. And that really hurt, really um, upset our back line. And with Spud out, I think um, Dougie Hawkins, I think, went berserk early, didn't he? In that final yeah, he, kicked, the he kicked four. Chris Grant kicked five. Yeah. Um, and I think Nicky Winmar got injured in the game um, yeah, in so that I, final it, against Footscray. It was just one of those ones yeah. where they jumped us. And then I think we were coming back pretty strong, but just they just got too far ahead of us early in the game. So... Correct. I, I haven't watched that game, to be honest. Uh, You're spot on, though. We kicked nine goals in the last quarter of that game. So. Yeah, we were coming home, but, yeah, they got away from us early. So, Just just off the back of that, obviously, you know, we touched on the fact that 91 wasn't a great year for you, whereas for the club, you know, it was the first finals appearance in Donkey's years. Um, 92, obviously, that first win, uh, first finals win forever. What was What was the feeling like? Around the club, it must have been it must have been a pretty incredible feeling, um, atmosphere, environment. Um, you're having Moorabbin pumping like that, and, and heading into a, a second final series. Yeah, the place was buzzing, that's for sure, and and we all were too. Like having the first win for the club, we know how meant how much it meant to us as well as the supporters. So we were up and about and ready to go again. Unfortunately, as I said earlier, we, we had some issues and couldn't get over the line against the Bulldogs. But that's that side. Uh, should have won the flag. We beat Hawthorne by 10. We beat West Coast by 10 during the year at Waverley. And yeah, just unfortunately, a few things went against us as what happens to the Saints every year, just about. <laughs> That's so so when you joined the So when you joined the club, the, obviously we weren't travelling great, but then that 92 era, we're playing really well. How How's the contrast of Moorabbin is uh, between the down in the bottom or getting towards the top playing finals, it, it, did it actually change much or was it, were they just as feral as what they were at any stage? You're talking about the supporters or players? Supporters, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the players <laughs> too, I guess. Too. <laughs> nah, the, the supporters were always great. You know, we knew we were playing at Moorabbin when the animal cage was going off, you know, um, and the roar that the crowd made at Moorabbin when Plugger took a mark was just, you know, you'll never forget those days. So, uh, no, we were... Yeah, we were up and about and ready to go. So, The Victoria Park game in early 93, 
folklore for, for St Kilda. And we, we remember McAdam kicking five and the, the Windmar incident and Plugger not playing. But you were one of the best on ground that day, 25 touches and, and a couple of goals. Can you, I guess, memories of the day, were you aware of, I mean, obviously to win at Victoria Park was huge, but were you aware after the game of, of what had just taken place or did that only settle in in the coming days when it got a bit of news attention? Yeah, it more settled in after the, after the, during the week when, you know, the photo came out of Nicky and stuff like that. It was a very good day because we, you know, we were up against it. We had no locket and we just played one of those days. Nicky was unbelievable. Um, Gilbert McAdam, I don't think I've seen a better game from a bloke. You know, that five goals in the first half just dominated. So that no, was a good day for sure. What, what happened after 93, Brett, and, and towards the end of 93, obviously, Ken Sheldon was was moved on. Stan Els yep. came in at the start of 94. I think you only played half a year or so, 10 games or something in, in 94. And then all of a sudden it, it was over. Yeah. It was a surprise to me, actually. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I had a groin over pre-season. So that didn't help me with training and getting right myself right. And then at the end of 93, there was a three blokes that came to the footy club that were pretty handy players. Tony Brown, Ozzy Jones. And Joel Smith sort of all sort of played around the same position as me. And I was the oldest one probably in the group. So it was uh, time to go. And just going back over the games you played at the club or even anything that happened, I guess, at a, a training or just anything at the club, is, is there a moment you look back and just go, I, I loved that moment. That was that. Was that was what Sakura was to me is it's just something you can recall and just first thing that comes to your mind when you think about the club. Uh, probably the the mates that I've grown um, that I've got through the footy club, like the Kane Taylors and the Strelos and the Harves and the Berkies, blokes that I still keep in contact with. Um, we've got a great past players group run by Shawnee Ralph Smith that you know, we're getting all the boys together. It's really great to catch up. So it's just the memories that you build from that. Um, I do remember one specific day. I think it was um, Essendon in a practice match at Kahuna. I don't know if you boys might have been there or not, but um, you probably weren't even born then, you blokes. But, uh, <laughs> well, couldn't drive there anyway. Um, I remember Plugger had just come back from his broken ankle and he kicked 13 goals in the first half <laughs> against Terry Danaher, you know, just some, and I just went, wow, this bloke can play a bit. And he just said to Doc, no, I've had enough, mate. That'll do for now. <laughs> Half time, 13. I just thought that was just surreal to see a bloke actually kick 13 goals and a half. My dad always tells me, actually tells me the story of that day where uh, Tony Lockett picked up a ball about 15 metres out, got tackled by four Essendon players and just walked into the goal square with all four hanging off him and kicked it anyway. Yeah. So uh, that was one of, his, uh, one of his standout memories. Do you sort of sit there and think that, you know, at the end of your career, you've played 85 games that the club probably retired you a bit young. Um, given how good your son has turned out to be, do you kind of look at it and go, you silly bastards? Or? Uh, I don't think he's happy I didn't play 100. Um, mm. He's got a premiership medal. Oh, and, that's right. Yeah. And, um, I, I think probably my time was up looking at what came into the club. I would have loved to have played, you know, another three or four years, but wasn't a B. I moved on, went to Frankston and then started coaching. So um, it was just one of those things that you have to deal with. I, you know, I wasn't happy when it happened. Um, I said to Stan, look, one door closes, another one will open. 
I was hoping that I still would get picked up by someone, but that wasn't to be. So I just had to move I was, on. And I was just going to ask, was there any any talk or, or potential of going to another club? Obviously, at that stage, you know, Plugger left. Craig O'Brien was was on the move. Dean Rice is on the move. You know, there are a few a few blokes kind of leaving the club, going elsewhere. Was there any any talk of you ending up somewhere else? Uh, no, not really, because it was a lot. I got delisted on the last day, and there was only like a week till the till the uh, the draft or whatever it was back then. And I don't think Ricky looked was uh, doing the right thing, not the right thing, but. I think he had other focuses on. Ricky Nixon was my manager and I said, is there any interest? And he said, oh, there's a little bit, but not much. So I think because I'd been injured over pre-season didn't help. So, Quick one for you. Coming from where you've played football, Sakilda, have you spoken to Jake about how to take a loss? Because we know he hasn't had one yet. So (laughs) have you you spoken to him how to to handle that? Uh, He's not a great loser at anything. so I'm not I'm not ready for that day. My daughter Hannah said, hopefully he's in a state, and then he has to come. You know, he gets a couple of days to cool down, and then comes home. So because he'll be unbearable for sure. <laughs> well, in three weeks they they play us. So hopefully, I mean, maybe that's the silver lining. If it if it was to happen against the uh, the the old man's club, maybe maybe that would yeah, dampen maybe. it dampen it just a just a fraction. But uh, in, in terms of your I guess your lasting memory is, is a final one from me. I mean, the 39 possession game against Hawthorne at Waverley, Plugger kicked his 100th that year or that day in, in 1992. What, what do you think is the best game you've, you've played for the club? You obviously kicked five, I think, on a couple of occasions. You've had some big hauls. Is there one where you sort of sit there and think, yeah, that was my that was my best day? I think definitely the Hawthorne. Uh, yeah, definitely the Hawthorne 39 touches one. Um, um, Laser played well. Um, Halves played his normal game. Plugger kicked his hundredth. Then, then I did kick five at SNM one day, which was pretty special. Um, we got beaten just, I think, by by them. But, uh, yeah, yep. no, the Hawthorne game would definitely be the be the standout for me. You got you got three Brownlow votes in that loss to Essendon, which is pretty rare. It's pretty rare that a, a bloke on the losing team gets three Brownlow votes. Do you have have any memories of, of that day? Yeah, I, I do actually. I, I remember kicking three in the first quarter and thinking, wow, I'm going to have a day out here. Uh, I got a push in the back late in the first quarter and kicked my third, and I went, here we go. Yeah, but the disappointing thing was that we, we lost the game in the end. So, Big game that was too. I think we were five and three going in, and Essendon you know, were a powerhouse. We played in the granny, and I think we were four goals up at one stage after yeah. half time. So it was it a. Kenny wasn't happy in the rooms, I can tell you that. But we, yeah. uh, we should have won that one for sure which would have been a, a big result. But, uh, Brett, I, I guess in terms of your post-football life, as I, as we let you go, um, obviously you mentioned playing in, you know, playing for Frankston and sort of going on. What does what sort of life entail these days for, for you personally in terms of, I guess, uh, you know, when you get out of bed each morning, what does the day look like? Yeah, I work for a termite company. Um, we do uh, termite, pre-construction termite barriers uh, called Green Zone Termite Barriers. Um, we're a national company and we just... It's been on the market for about five years, this product that my mate Paul invented. So we're out there trying to sell that and get it into as many homes as we can. So it's just in Moorabbin as well. So it's not far from home. 
Oh, beautiful. It's good that it's uh, it's nice and nice and local. But uh, thank you very much for, for joining us. Thanks for your, your contribution to the club. It was always great fun watching you uh, watching you run around. Obviously, we get to see the Bowie name continue on through uh, through football, and unfortunately, not in our colours. But maybe one day. But uh, thanks for uh, thanks thanks for joining us, and uh, good luck going forward. Thanks, Darren. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Nick. Brett Bowie joining us there on Unplug It and great to catch up with him. We look ahead to the Giants this week and the, the curious one is Jimmy Webster and what we do on that front because I think, Nick, you sort of predicted late last week when we um, when we knew that, um, you know, Jack Higgins going out of the side that it would probably, so Jack Higgins coming back into the side that it would probably be him going forward and Ben Long going back to cover Jimmy Webster. And Ben Long played very well, um, which creates a dilemma, obviously, as to what they do on that front. That's probably the only change I could foresee happening would be, I would hope they'd release Ryan Burns from the, the sub responsibilities. He's had two in a row. I think he needs to play a game now. So put him back in the twos and sub somebody else, Bytel or uh, uh, Owens or something like that, or Sharman. Um, but yeah, that, that, that to me is the dilemma. Jimmy Webster deserves to play, but Ben Long also deserves to play. Yeah, I think that's it's probably the only it's probably the only one. Um, I think Jones missing obviously makes selection mm-hmm. a little bit easier this week uh, because you would expect that that you know, he probably comes in otherwise, uh, which is another kind of another change that you've got to make. But I think Webster's the Webster's the one, and and you're probably right. I mean. Long doesn't deserve to, to lose his spot after no. his last couple of weeks. Um, Burns, like like you said, Burns needs to play footy. And if he's if he's the sub, and you're hoping that he he doesn't play footy for us because you're hoping we don't need him to. Um, mm-hmm. But he needs he needs games and he needs to get his confidence back. Um, and for him, you know whether it's whether it's with the seniors or or back at Sandy, he just needs to play this week. So I, like you, I kind of hope that he's he's released from that and and. Yeah, maybe Webster comes in for for Burns, and then you look at someone like a Windhager sub, um, or Webster starts as the sub, and, and just see see how that goes. Um, Webster, even long as sub, uh, yeah, potentially, potentially. But again, yeah. like, you know, he's yeah. he's played a role, you know, week after week since he's come back. Um, some back, some forward, and hasn't really missed a beat. He's been he's no. been really impressive. Yeah. So, mm. you know, he mm. doesn't deserve to to lose his spot either. So, it's the first time in a long time that, that you kind of look at the the squad and. We've had a few a few people question on on socials over the last couple of weeks that when these guys are ready to come back, and you look at Jones and Billings and Hunter Clark and and those guys, who drops out? And for the first time in in a long time, there's real competition for spots. And then you've got you know Sharman and Bytel and 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 these guys as well. Mitch Owens obviously has been playing really good footy for a couple of weeks at, at Sandy, um, and he's kind of you know, banging the door down for for a second shot after his his uh, one week. In, in round one. Um, so th- there's real competition for spots. And I can't remember a time probably since that, the, the 09, 10 period, yeah. maybe even before that around the, the competition for spots um, and how hard it is to, to get back into this team. Yeah. Billings is the one that, that fascinates me because um, I think they would definitely find a spot for, for Hunter Clark and they have to, I think he's, he's polish is, you know, he's a, a terrific player. Um, and important to us. Billings, I think, is the type of guy, and look, he's been a good servant. I think he would play very well in a good team, which I'm hoping we are at the moment. But 
I don't know. I, I think I just get the feeling that his path into the side isn't as obvious as Jones and, and Clarks would be. Um, I don't know. I mean, they signed him to a yeah. four-year extension Correct. last year. They obviously Correct. see him as, as fairly important to what they want to yeah. do. I mean, and he is. And he is. But, I mean, look, Mason, Mason Wood's playing on the wing. Now, mm. his last two games have been a little quieter, but he's versatile. Good, and though. Exactly. Good. Hasn't um, really made any, you know, he hasn't made any mistakes. And, and yeah. Um, you know, it's one of the one of the good things is there hasn't really been any passengers. Um, yeah, and, yeah, and you're not going to drop Wanganine Malera under any circumstances no. at the moment. Um, I mean, someone will probably get injured somewhere. Like you're not going to get everyone get through every game, but um, yeah, that that's a dilemma because I mean, Clark Clark's think- another tough one because, like you said, you, you kind of expect that he comes back in as soon as he's ready and you find a spot. But is that spot in the middle? Is it across half back? I mean, that that yeah. back six or back seven, whatever you want to call it, has been performing really solidly and, and really strongly. Do you do you, you know, change that around and, and kind of force Hunter Clark into that unit if you can't fit him in the middle? And when you've got mm. guys like Seb Ross who's lifted and and has kind of Correct. done everything required, yeah. like do you, do you move that? Like how do you how do you force some of these changes? It's tough. Yeah, is, is Patton absolutely safe? I mean, Windhager, you think probably gets squeezed maybe at some point, and that's that's okay. There'll be other opportunities for him, but. Yeah, it's it's a nice dilemma. I mean, even Jack Hayes will probably get dropped next week, and, and he'll be unlucky to to cop yeah. that. So you fight, you fight, the younger, newer players are generally your yeah. ones who will miss out. Less mm-hmm. than an absolute out and out start. That that's mm-hmm. that they're the first ones, last in, first out kind of thing. I guess um, mm-hmm. it, it's a matter of that. It's just unlucky, I guess. You could be playing great football, but because you are so new. There's going to be look. These guys have got the experience, and we're, we're sorry, but we've got to play them because that they're seasoned. They've got, the, I guess, the the games behind them that are proven before. Like, um, but in saying that, I'm thinking Billings could even possibly have a bit of a different role when he comes back. Hmm. Um, I, I could even see him replacing someone like Butler. Yeah. Um, if not he doesn't, not inconceivable. If he doesn't yeah. start picking up a bit, I think. He could be on the chopping block. Um, so it's a matter of that could be a bit of a change of role because uh, mm. I could I, I could see Butler playing. Uh, sorry, um, Billings playing a forward pocket. Definitely, the, 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 yeah. Abs- I mean, and what a forward pocket to bring in too. He he, yeah. he, could, he could play for some very good football up there. Um, it, then you got oh, I guess that also brings in the left foot right foot. Small forward combination. It gives you gives you a few a different sort of um, scenarios and ways to, to to set up your forward line and attack. And mm. so, yeah, that could be that could be a change I could see happening. Line it, line it's the other interesting one potentially mm-hmm. for, for Clark because I mean, mm-hmm. line it's been been pretty good. Yeah. I've been yeah. pretty happy with with what he's brought. And but but he's also very similar in a lot of ways to to a number of other guys in the type of role that, that he brings to our... our like back. Webster, for example. Well, like Webster, yeah. like mm-hmm. um, he's obviously a very similar player to, to Nick Caulfield as well, but mm-hmm. yeah, he plays similar roles sometimes to to Josh Battle and Cal Wilkie as well. And a and right-footed so, Mason Wood a little bit. Yeah, yeah. there's elements of that. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you, yeah. Could, you know, would you potentially sacrifice you know, a couple of centimetres of height in, in Jared Lynott for, for forcing Hunter Clark back across halfback? Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's it's good that we've got those options, and that's what I mean. It's not a case of, oh shit, who do we bring in? It's it's now a case of 
who do we leave out? Which is yeah. yeah, which is which is a much, much better thing. In the past, it's a case of, you know, we're looking around on pieces of paper thinking who's gonna play that role? Like, what do we do? Now it's a case of shit, someone's gonna miss out and they're gonna be stiff to do so, which is what you need. I mean, obviously you look at Melbourne where you know Ben Brown went out of their side with COVID protocols and then Wiedemann's played well and now Brown can't get back in, he gets suspended in the reserves, and you know, that that happened to them a bit last year. And you know, we're not Melbourne, but Jake Bowie comes in. Yeah, correct. Um, you know, it's Geelong have had that happen for years. Brisbane, you know, it's they, they're the things you want to have happen when you're a, um, you know, when you're a side trying to work your way up. But our awards and you know, the, the, some that are tricky. But the Jason Blake Award, and we're certainly hoping to get Jason Blake on at some stage. It'd be great for him to present his own award to, to somebody. But um, one that I'll sort of throw up there early is that we've mentioned, you know, he's been mentioned a lot on this podcast and he's been mentioned a lot on social media, which might therefore technically rule him out of the award because he's not so much of a quiet achiever, but I still think he's in that category. We just spoke about a number of players that we could change in the team. And there's one that we did not mention and there's very good reason and we should not mention him. And that is Dan McKenzie. Uh, he's not getting dropped at any rate at the way he's playing at the moment. And his transformation from somebody who was, uh, headed for the D-list door probably a couple of years ago, you would think, to now one of the first guys you'd pick. Um, he's been terrific, um, and he's a, a major weapon for us now. So, yeah, he gets he gets my nod for me. It's about to say McKenzie was pretty much that forward pocket, and that was yeah. playing into forward pocket is the next step to being dropped so well especially as that defensive forward pocket as well not even like an offensive forward pocket defensive forward pocket he was pretty much one of those names you were finding on the piece of paper that hanging around the hanging around the um selection table you were just talking about a couple of minutes ago he was the rob eddie mini mcqualter type role so it was it was a matter of he was just getting a game and now he's almost one of the first magnets you put onto the board every week um that I think it surprised just about everyone where 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 it came from. Um, but geez, I'm loving it though. It, it, what he's given us at the moment, it's fantastic. Um, but yeah, I've 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 got to throw in. I, I kind of kind of stick to back when I guess in this sort of thing. But I'm sticking with Jared Line. He he's given us some great service. Yeah. I, for a bloke that was about to start teaching his school and gets a phone call saying come play footy. Um, he's slotted in. He's slotted into this team fantastically. Um, the I've been impressed with his ball use. That's that's been one thing. Um, I, I I get very nervous with um, Dougal getting the ball. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, but I have but I have <laughs> not had the same worry with Lineup. I mean, it, it's been a couple of turnovers here and there, but every other time it's, it's hit the target, hit the target. It, it's he's. Providing some great use, um, great service down back. So um, he's almost that, as we said, I think some the other week that he's almost got that sort of Jason Blake about him kind of thing. So um, he's, he's sort of not the most skillful player, but he manages to do do some pretty good stuff with it. We're building an academic little backline. Obviously, Jared Lynott was a teacher. I think Cal Wilkie was an accountant. Uh, starting to get some some of our. Some blue, uh, white collar type stuff happening down there, but Nick, um, and, and yeah. I was about to say, and Dougal's a rocket scientist, I think. So, it's got to be a space cadet in there somewhere, surely. <laughs> it's we've got a defender there that's not quite as clever as the others, but but Nick, um, 
who's your uh, shout? I mean, Dan, Dan McKenzie's the obvious one, and I think we, mm. we've spoken about him a number of times, like you like you mentioned, Parco. But um, mine is is Ben Long, and I kind of touched on him a little bit earlier. Uh, he's only played the three games this year, and we know that he's kind of on the bubble. You know, each week is kind of on the bubble of those guys that are talked about you know, as uh, dropping opportunities, I guess, to bring someone else in. But I think what he's been able to do over the last few weeks uh, comes in as a defensive type forward, impact type player, then moves back, he moves forward again. Um, he's been a real kind of um, yeah, Swiss army knife for us over mm. the last few weeks or, or the last month or, or whatever. And he hasn't really put a foot wrong on it. We've had issues in the past with his decision-making um, with some of the execution of, of things like his tackles and, and bumps and that sort of stuff. But it feels like he's really worked on a few of those things. Um, he's averaging 14 touches a, a game at the moment, a couple of tackles, but having a really solid impact, no matter where the coaching staff put him, whether it's forward or back or even in the middle, um, that, that he's just, he's just filling gaps for us and, and he's doing it at a, very decent level. And I think that sometimes because of his reputation or because of some of the, the brain phase that, that we've seen over the years, that he, he doesn't get the recognition that potentially that, that he deserves for, for doing some of these roles. Um, so I just wanted to give him a, a bit of a pat on the back. And I think what he's done for us in the last couple of weeks has been really important. Yeah, I think he's harnessing his aggression the right way. He used to obviously give away a lot of free kicks and get reported a lot. But, um, yeah, now it's a case of, you know, chase, tackle, hunt, that type of thing. And it's it's really working well for him to, to harness that aggression into pressure, which has been excellent. Uh, the, the Shannon Noll Award is is still a you know a tricky one. Obviously, it's, it's harder to find these when you're winning games. But um, where have we been able to go, Nick? I'll stick with you. Is there is there one you've been able to find? Yeah, it's it's tough. You you win four in a row. It's tough to find mm-hmm. players to lift. And, and we mentioned Rowan Marshall last week, and we kind of you know that was the reason. You know, he he'd been carrying carrying some niggles and and hadn't performed up to expectation, I guess. But you know, had had Paddy Ryder to give him a chop out, and then all of a sudden Paddy's gone, and you come up against Jared Witts. It's, you know, Rowan Marshall, you've got to lift, and and H, like you said, you gave him a, a vote this week that that he did that. You know, he competed really strongly. It wasn't a game breaker like we've seen him do in in other games uh, in previous years, but you know, he he almost doesn't have to do that now. Um, this week, I've gone with someone a little bit similar. Um, I guess coming off a really serious injury last year. Um, slotted straight back into the, the back six um, has been rusty. I think I think everyone could agree that Ben Patton has been rusty mm-hmm. to start the season. Um, but we've mentioned Toby Green coming back into the Giants lineup this week. There's no better time for for Ben Patton to get his skates on and, and lift and, and have a real impact and keep Toby Green quiet. And if we can keep Toby Green quiet, then we're a big shot at winning this game in Canberra. Um, so Ben Patton is my uh, my Shannon Noll nomination this week. Page. Um, and as I mentioned just before as well, um, with all these players coming back, I think Dan Butler needs to lift. He, he, he needs to show something. Otherwise, I think his position might be in a bit of danger, to be honest. Um, if Yeah, if he wants to stay in that, that role that he's what, came into the club and just took off in to begin with, we haven't, we haven't seen much of it with... 
he's kicked a couple of goals this year, but it, it, he just you sort of forget he's out there at times. Um, all of a sudden he'll just pop it and you go, oh, oh, there he is. It, I haven't seen him for, I haven't seen him since the first quarter. Or it, it just sort of goes missing. Um, we know he's got that pressure. He, he he still, I guess, pressures the ball when it's in our forward line a fair bit, but pressuring the ball and not doing much else, it, it's probably not going to keep your spot. So I, I think he needs to... If he gets out, comes out this week and kicks kicks three, give, gives us yeah great service up forward, keeps that forward pressure up. He can hold on to that, but if he doesn't, I guess start giving us a bit more each week. It it, it may be yeah, it could be out before he knows it. Yeah, they're they're probably the, the two, and and I'd sort of agree with that. That you know, with, with guys starting to you know. Billings almost back, uh, even Geary almost back, uh, Clark, certainly Ryder, um, Webster coming back this week, um, Jones. That, that it's, that's when you start to, you know, look at those guys and think, well, yeah, you know, you've got to look over your shoulder a little bit. It's You've got to hang on if you want to stay in in this lineup. So they're, they're probably a couple that, that I would mention. For, for me, it might be individual actions. I think last week I spoke about Ben Patton where he gave away some some free kicks against Hawthorne uh, late in the game that were clumsy and, and early in the game. Um, I, I love Dougal Howard as a uh, as a player and I think he's you know he's had a good year and I think he's had a good career with us um, and an important player but he's got a tiny 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 touch of the Jake Carlisle's about him and that is when he he can just out of nowhere have a complete brain explosion um, with ball in hand. Um, hasn't cost us. It cost us a couple of times last year, but I know defenders have that reputation sometimes where they can go short inbound and, and stuff kicks up and things like that. But that'd be the one thing. And it's, it's again, sort of nitpicking because he's doing everything right. His spoiling's great. His contested marking's great. But just, just a tiny bit more care with ball in hand uh, because... When he turns it over, he seems to to have like Uber turnovers where he'll he'll turn it over twenty meters out directly in front, that that type of thing. So that'd probably be the one that if you want to sort of fine tune around the edges, Dukes, just be a little bit more careful with ball in hand. That would be uh that would be nice uh, coming out of the out of the defensive end. Um, and I guess just a final thought on the on the game. Uh, the Giants, they look. They look like a group of, which they, they have at times, they look like a group of really talented footballers that are just a bit disjointed at the moment. Now, they got ripped apart by Melbourne. They're not the only team that'll have that happen to them. But obviously, Richmond belted them, Fremantle belted them, um, Sydney got hold of them a little bit. They had a goodish win over the Gold Coast in about round three. But, um, you know, they, they get their, their masthead back, if you will, in, in Toby Green. There were interesting comments during the week from Leon Cameron about his future where he was a bit non-committal. And they, they look like a club that's kind of in a bit of a pickle. Um, and because of that talent, you're always a bit worried about them. Mm. But we should beat this team um, at the moment with all of those things factored in winning five games in a row is tough in the 2022 football world given how even the competition is but um factoring in their talents given where we're at and given where they're at toby green or not we should beat this team well, these are the, the games most... that's the key words there we mm. should mm. that that's the they're the words that hurt quite often to be honest mm. we should mm. um mm. so i'll I, 
that that's how I think I go into this game this week going, we should win this game. Mm. And that's where it's going to be disappointing if we don't, because yeah, I, I, there's no reason we shouldn't, shouldn't beat them. It's as simple as that. I mean, the only way it's going to happen is if we say where we let Toby Green get off the, get off the chain and yeah, he kicks five in his first game back and you're thinking, well, we, we knew it was coming. Mm. <laughs> we should have prepared for it and done something about it. So it's just a matter of get do your job, do it right, and and we we get over the line. Yeah, I mean so, if, if Howard plays on Himmelberg, then we've got options like Wilkie, Battle, Patton. Um, oh, we've Webster got more than enough, more Green. than enough yeah. options out there. That, that that's that's yeah. as simple as there's more than enough options. If the first one doesn't work, get it get them out mm-hmm. quick and start try something else. Don't just let him kick. Mm-hmm. Goal after goal after goal, and don't change anything. Mm. So, yeah, it's a matter of we know what's coming. We need to be prepared prepared for it. These you said it, Parker and and, and H, I think as well. These are the games that that we need to be winning. Not we should be winning, and and it should be the expectation. But for us to be legitimate, we need to be winning these games of football. Um, you know, we, we've beaten two two teams that are currently in the eight in uh, Fremantle over there and, and Hawthorne at the G. Um, but what we what we need to be doing is winning more of these games of, of the teams that were touted to be around us on the ladder. And that's the, you know, the Richmond's, um, the Gold Coast, the, the GWS, et cetera. Hawthorne potentially was, was expected to be bottom four, you know, but we were kind of talked about in that six to 10 range and and these other teams gws were, were in that group uh, we need to be winning these games to to stay and continue the, the development of, of this list of, of this squad um but also the credibility of us as a as a football team um you know i think there's there's a lot of people up and about that you know, were four and one after five but you look at look at the the fixture and, and we should be we should be five and zip and collingwood is another one of those games that we should be winning we shouldn't be dropping these games of football and and for us to be a legitimate finals contender we need to be beating teams like collingwood like gws um like hawthorne etc um so 100 we should be going into this game expecting to win but we know as secure fans that when we go into games against lower ranked teams expecting to win that so often we don't and so that's that's where it's really hard as a st kilda supporter to, to go into games like this um, we know that we beat them up there in round one last year in that, that slog in the mud and the rain. Um, that that GWS team is not the same GWS team that, that we see today. Um, there is a bucket load of talent on that list, but for whatever reason, they're not able to put it together at the moment. And maybe they're, they're getting a, a week full of sprays you know, on the track this week. Toby Green comes back, like you said, he he's their spark plug. He's their impact player. He's their their talisman. Um, and so maybe you bring him back in the lineup and, and they start to click and put things together. That's it's a real worry. It's a real concern. And and H, like you said, we've known that this was coming for a number of weeks. I hope that we're prepared and we're ready to go and, and we turn up. And and if we turn up the same way that we've turned up to, to Fremantle, Richmond. Hawthorne, Gold Coast, and, and we put in the effort and we do the things that we've been doing, those one percenters, those defensive efforts, um, you know, repeat repeat defensive efforts, et cetera, around the ball and, and winning the, the the contested ball, winning the, the clearances and the stoppages, et cetera, and still 
use the ball at a really high level, then we're a really good shot at winning this game. Yep. If you are, if you want to be good, Saints, then these are the games where you get it done. So we uh, we look towards Friday and hopefully you get it done because then we've got another bogey side the week after or a bogey side the week after that we uh, we never seem to beat in uh, in Port Adelaide. So important juncture because obviously the, the fixture gets pretty tricky after that. But fingers crossed, we've got our Friday night exposure, which we've, we've obviously been looking for. We failed the first Friday night test in round one against Collingwood. Let's pass the second Friday night test and, and get a little bit more of that as the uh, as the year unfolds because, of course, the, the timing of the fixture is not yet finalised. So make sure that we get a few of those prime timers in the uh, in the back end of the year, but go Saints and here's to five in a row.